0: Hello and welcome to Be, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline in Focus. Every Thursday night we get one of our experts onto the show to talk about a particular issue and recently we've been focusing on supporting parents in lockdown because if you are a parent and you have children or a child, lockdown can be a challenge. So we have invited the woman who has the most children I know, <laughs> Genevieve Muir, mum of four boys, onto the show. Not just because she's the mum of four boys, although that definitely lends to her experience as a parenting educator. She's also an obstetrics, obstetrics social worker at the Mater Hospital <laughs> in Sydney. So what we're talking about today is setting boundaries and how that might help us manage day-to-day life in lockdown if you have any questions or comments you'd like to add please join the conversation by adding them below this video and uh jen hello welcome how are you
1: hi Chev. thanks for having me
0: <laughs> you know something that occurred to me when we were talking about you know doing this for lockdown and, and supporting parents in lockdown was that i thought you know what this is something that we can apply whether we're in lockdown or we're not in lockdown, like boundaries are really important. Mm. Um, As I mentioned there, you have four boys ranging from ages 5 to 12. Correct. have your hands full. How are boundaries? What do boundaries look like in your home?
1: They've been absolutely essential to how I've managed over the last uh, 12 years, Um, you know, particularly at periods where my partner travelled a lot for work and I was single parenting through the weeks, um, I have found that setting boundaries not only made my kids sort of feel pretty safe, but allowed me to get from A to B. Um, But it's not where it started, basically. Um, We weren't sort of always good at boundaries. I think having four boys pushed us To get (laughs) better at it um, by necessity, you can imagine. Um, And it was really a very, very spirited two-year-old. And a sort of a story that really stands out to me is getting a phone call from a beautiful, very young preschool teacher when he was very kind of first at two and a half in preschool, basically in tears, saying that he had knocked 15 children onto their bums trying to be the first in line to see a little bunny rabbit that she'd brought in to show all these kids for Easter. And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do with this child? Um, And my partner and I didn't necessarily agree on how to set boundaries. We came from really different perspectives and backgrounds on it and we were just butting heads. And it really has been a bit of a a work and an evolving work in progress um, to be able to get on that same page and have a kind of consistent approach for our boys. So it's something that we've really worked at.
0: (laughs) So boundaries is kind of part of discipline, Right. So we talk about discipline being um, how we guide our children and and show them how to be in the world. Is boundaries kind of part of that?
1: Yeah. Look, I guess it is, but it's different. Like the way that I would define a boundary is not the old fashioned idea around what discipline is. So, you know, if you were a child of the, 80s or even the 90s you might have been smacked or sent to your room um, and parents traditionally did use much more authoritarian discipline methods to 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 set boundaries for their kids. Um, We now have a lot of information that says, look, that doesn't really change behaviour long-term, that stuff. Um, So it's not the most effective way to go about it. So when I'm talking about boundaries, um, it's probably not that stuff. It's about those moments that as a parent, we're thinking, this is not working for me and we have to set a boundary using our relationship. Um, and it's sort of hard to do for a lot of us because it hasn't been modelled for us because our parents did it differently. It is something where we've got a whole lot of new knowledge about what works and what doesn't, and unfortunately a lot of us have been grappling at, um, you know, reward charts and begging and... um, (laughs) thriving um, and I just always have to confess I have a reward chart on my fridge right now um, <laughs> it's not that you can't do those things but the evidence is really clear that they don't change behavior long term and the only way to do that is to set a really clear boundary for your child within that relationship Oh goodness.
0: I have so many questions in my head. <laughs> but before I ask my own, we have a question from Steph on Facebook. Yeah. He says or asks, how do I approach the issue with my newly three-year-old being rough with children, rough with children at his family daycare?
1: Hmm. His
0: consequence in daycare is time out, but I'm wondering what we can do at home to try and help this behavior in the future.
1: Yeah. yeah so <laughs> tricky one because a a timeout, here's the problem with the timeout. I just want to start there. The problem with the timeout, and it's hard because you're not at the family daycare, but if a child is being completely isolated at three um, and given that timeout, like I'm assuming the timeout, the child is in the room with the carer. So that's what I'm going to assume. It's kind of more like a time in. So if it was a timeout where the child was physically completely removed, we're asking them to sort of regulate when they can't do it on their own and what they need is an adult to stay with them and do that with them so that would be contributing a little bit to that kind of continuing to happen in terms of how to deal with it at home it's really about because he's three he's little we can't there's no point in talking a lot because when a child hits at three first thing to know is super super normal he's totally meant to do that that's his job at two or three is to push boundaries and or kids, many, many kids will hit. Um, So it's about catching it in the moment and we're quite physical. So I'd be really stepping in. I talk about being a bit of a late night um, Richard Mercer radio DJ (laughs) in terms of your voice. So (laughs) instead of like screaming, you're just like, I can't let you hit. You know, you're just (laughs) very calm and you fly across the room and you're in control and you're just like, I need to stop you right there, you know. it's, (laughs) (laughs) And because the problem is if you yell or kind of get carried away, you may as well set a timer for 20 minutes later, your child will do it again because children are always seeking a connection and they take connection in any form and they'll take it in that shouty, yelly stuff as well. So we want to kind of be really calm, in control, and then physically stop them. So that's what I'd be doing at home. And then just for her to know that when she talks to him about another way to do it, you know, we do want to help our kids organize their feelings, but you're doing that much later. So it's not in the moment. It's maybe even the next day. We can talk about What happened for him? Did someone take his toy? I'd really want to know what happened before the hit because generally kids hit because someone took their toy or or they just really want something. And so we can start a dialogue about what he could do different and could he ask someone for help instead of hitting.
0: Mm. Um, So if we talk about boundaries more broadly, um, it's it's effectively saying no to children, right? Right. It is. Why is this a good thing for kids? Because we these days, we're kind of society expects us to um, always be on with our children, always be paying attention to them, be um, answering their questions, and always on, on, on all the time. And particularly in lockdown, that can be really exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is it important they learn to hear no?
1: The first, the biggest thing is boundaries, which is hearing no, makes our kids feel really safe. So if we are never saying no, and don't forget, this is, you know, we are our child's first relationship. So if we're going along with something in lockdown, for example, where our child wants us to play with them and we really don't want to do that, And if we don't say no, we're going along with something we don't want to do. So there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, it's kind of inauthentic and we're not modelling the relationship. We want them to be someone that in a friendship later in life, you can like someone and still not want to do what they want to do. So we want to model that ability to say, I love you so much. I don't want to jump on the trampoline right now. You know? I know, and then want to jump on the
0: trampoline. <laughs> very good for I the had two boy. children. I don't want to jump on a trampoline. <laughs> I had four children.
1: Like that is just it's <laughs> it's not insane. happening. It's not happening. So look, you know, I I learned very early to say no. I'm not jumping on the trampoline. But it's it's partially about that. But it's also that sometimes our kids will seek boundaries because it makes them feel safe. And I would actually sort of hazard to say a lot of families that I'm working with right now are see, seeing more of that boundary-seeking behaviour where kids are hassling more or whinging more and it, they're really desperately saying show me who's at the wheel so when we do say no our child might go through a bit of a moment of discomfort which I would always say welcome that in and say I know it's it's really hard when mum doesn't want to play and or when I say no to tv or whatever it is you've said no to But then you just hold that boundary knowing that often our children are actually seeking that line in the sand and often that frees them up to go do something else and get on with playing, which is sort of what we want them to do. When we don't say no, particularly with little children, um, what we'll see is boundary pushing behaviour. So you didn't say no to playing and now I'm going to stand on the table. And if you don't say no to that, then I'm going to be up on the roof, and it, it literally <laughs> will build until they get the no, and then we're losing our minds. And really, they're just seeking that safety of knowing, oh, thank goodness, mum and dad seem to have this. They're at the wheel, I can relax.
0: So, with that in mind, that in mind, how do we decide when to set a boundary or when to let some stuff slide? Because particularly now in lockdown, so. Um, I'm doing all of the remote learning at home with my kids because my husband's out working and um, <laughs> I'll have a moment where my son is just being impossible, saying, oh, I'm not going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'll text my husband saying, you know, just wanting a little bit of some backing here and I'll text him and say, oh, he's being a bit impossible today. And my husband will text back, oh, just, you know, just let it go. Just stop, stop homeschooling. You don't need to do it. Just let it go. Just, you know, your, your mental health's important. And I'm like, yeah, I know my mental health is important, but I also, I know, and I do know it's important to be flexible and not to put too much pressure on yourself because I was definitely not t- trained as a teacher. Mm. Uh, but then I'm, I'm in this position where if I let it go and we all just go out the back and play and I don't push him through whatever he's struggling with, I, In a way, I feel like I'm not teaching him resilience. But mm.
1: at the same time,
0: in lockdown, sometimes we just do need to let things go. So how do you
1: decide? This is a really good one. First of all, I hope none of my kids' teachers are watching because if you rang <laughs> me, I'd say let it go. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm seriously hoping none of them are watching. <laughs> um,
0: they would probably agree with you, though. I've heard
1: teachers say, you know, don't push mm-hmm. it if it's getting difficult. I don't know. I don't know. Um, look. Honestly, look, I go by a bit of a 70-30 rule. So actually 70% of the time is, is the stat, but really my mantra is whenever possible, let your child lead, whenever necessary, take charge. And so I guess the thing you would be asking is, does this really matter for me? You know. And I often say to parents when I'm working with them, um, how do you know you're in a real boundary moment? You, you're, you will know absolutely within your core, this is not working for me. And so I'm going to hazard a guess with your example that more you were sort of worried about getting it right and a bunch of other stuff. But, you know, really, was that a core kind of this is not working for me moment? Probably not. Like, it's, you know, it's homeschooling, you're trying to do the right thing. And you're worried, we get ahead of ourselves. Um, But I I think kind of around 30% of the time, that Real kind of strong feeling, and with very little kids, obviously, it's when they hit or hurt each other, you know, it's a very clear, this is not working for me. Um, and sometimes with our older kids, you know, sometimes I find, um, I let stuff slide for a bit and then I turn to my husband and I will actually say out loud, Yeah, this is no longer working for me, you know, (laughs) and it'll be, it might be like screen use or you know, something, and it's like. Crept up on you and you didn't even know it wasn't working for you until suddenly you did. And that's when, as a parent, you step in and you say, Okay, guys, no longer working for me. And you set that boundary. And so for me, that's it. But it is, I kind of roughly think it's a bit of a 70 30 rule in that 70% of the time, I'm really trying to follow my child's lead. And for me personally, homeschooling is one I let slide, but we're all so different and every house is going to kind of have a different approach to that
0: good lord if you've got four different <coughs> grades you really should be allowed to let things slide i would say uh yeah also hoping no teachers are watching um so some of us in lockdown are in a crowded house or apartment um, without lots of room so how can we create boundaries so that everyone still has that sense of not abundant space, but at least a little bit of space for them and privacy, because when you're, you're all in each other's pockets, how can you set boundaries in that limited space?
1: I was hoping you could tell me because... <laughs> <laughs> I think I said last time we spoke. I live in a three-bedroom semi with four children, giant dog. Um, look, the way that we are doing it is, I've got you've got to prioritize um, not who matters most, but what who what who's got the most inflexible stuff. So I've got a partner that works eight to six back to back zooms and needs a quiet space. Um, so he kind of gets that. I've got a year six child that needs a little bit more privacy, and so he gets a bit more space. Whereas my year one, um, you know, he might be on a Zoom, and I'm moving him from room to room to room, and it's I guess it's about being flexible and just making the best of what we all have. Like you said, I mean, some people would be in a tiny apartment with dad working from the living room. I mean, it's it's impossible. Like there is there is just not a solution. Um, <laughs> yes. For me, you know, there's many moments I have popped someone out in the yard to work or I have, you know, one of mine might just say, I just have to get away from everyone. I'll say, go fall asleep in my bed and I'll move you later. Like it's, you know, for us because of our space. And I think if you've got more space, then yeah, you've it's probably better right now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're in a mansion. But it's a really tough one. And then I think it is about that that same boundary principle of going, okay, you know, if two kids are at each other, you're like, okay, this isn't working for me. And I think also compassion with our kids, um, super hard on them. And I'd be really trying to get a sense of what everybody needs and doing the best we can, but uh honestly for i mean for us it's just been kind of a shifting the deck chairs around the titanic type situation like
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can imagine (laughs) um what about boundaries around work and schooling and off time so i kind of made that example of my son and you were saying like letting it slide is something that your family has chosen to do but um sometimes kids really do need that routine and my Mm -hmm. sister-in-law actually said to me what would we do without homeschooling like we would just be trying to go to those parks within five kilometers of us and even kids get sick of going to parks all the time Mm -hmm. um so there is a certain routine that comes from that but there's also your own work and um having to say to your kids when you're there all the time and they see you all the time so they think that you're there for them all the time and then you're working Mm. um how is it? Is it just a matter of saying look it's my time
1: to work bugger off or (laughs) do we have to be more gentle than that I think it is um and sort of you know explaining our kids you know they're really getting that things are different and I think it is a matter of yeah, setting that boundary. Um, but a lot of, um, you know, often I was working with a beautiful mum just recently and she has to work, you know, down in her bedroom and she's always done that and locked the door and the kids would be with the nanny. And she was really okay with that until she had a baby and now she's worried, well, will they think she's in there with the baby and not, you know, not working, you know. Um, and we just talked about how, you know, kids don't over process that stuff and you can definitely just say, um I'm working you know for us we literally will shut the door and say look I'm on this tonight do not come in unless you are on fire
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is really
1: good language to use (laughs) (laughs) and look they do I like mine do learn and then it's about making sure you equip them with what to do if So if um, my little year one can't get on his Zoom, he goes to the next brother up and then up the chain. And then if all else fails, um, colouring quietly, you know. Um, I try to keep some consistency around no TV is happening. You know, we're not kind of, we're not on holidays here. I try to keep the meals going, you know, like um, morning tea happens at morning tea time and lunch and all of that is still kind of, we're sticking kind of to the routine of the day. Um, And a little bit of that helps. Um, But, yeah, it is. I think it is saying to your kids, I've got this, I'm working here. Um, And, you know, sometimes I don't know if you've ever done this, but, yeah, I've had a couple of times this week because I'm often working at the kitchen bench and then (laughs) my poor 12-year-old came out one afternoon and he's just like, when are we going to bake those cookies? And, he, you know, he didn't know this, but he was my 57,000th Interruption that yes. hour, and I was just like, "I am working here, like <laughs> demon from the, you know." And then I was, you know, of course, I went in and said, "I'm sorry, I'm just." <laughs> but I think that stuff's going to happen.
0: And do you think it it that burden? I know there's there seems to be statistics out there that um, remote learning and that kind of caring role is still falling more on the mothers who are trying to care for their kids remote work, uh, remote schooling and also kind of juggling their work situation um, because I feel like that's almost why it happens more that you are interrupted. Like if I look at my hours when I work, it's ridiculous. So I'll say 12 to 1, uh, 3 to 4, mm. 8 to 9, whatever. I, I just don't get a straight run because Same. all these things with the kids going on. And that can't be good for us, right? I mean, as, as much as we want to be there for our children and, and we are physically there, it, it still seems to come back to us. Like,
1: ask your father doesn't always cut it. It does. It's unanimous. <laughs> um, I'm now hoping my husband's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's putting the kids to bed. He's- <laughs> yeah. Look, it really does. And there's this unfortunate thing that, you know, um, unfortunately often men are the bigger income earners in the house and somehow that career gets prioritised and the female career is often that flexible one. We've taken time off to have kids um, and absolutely homeschooling has fallen in the laps of us. Whether we are uh, working or not, it doesn't seem to have made a difference for a lot of people that I'm working with, but also my friends, and definitely it's my experience. Um, I mean, it's impacted everybody, and I know my husband's had many a kid walk in mid meltdown on a Zoom and and that kind of thing as well. Um, but <coughs> definitely, I agree, it's really fallen on um, mums mm, because that's the time when they
0: interrupt. So if you're the one that's being working flexibly that mm. often means you're the one that's at the kitchen table or you're the one that's still working while everybody else is relaxing and so if you're in a child and obviously your world is quite self-centered bless them, but it, that's how children oh, are yeah then they're not going to notice that oh so you know mommy's the one that's working from dinner to bedtime and and dad's knocked off at five or the other person's mm. knocked off at five so I don't know. There's no solution to that. I don't know why.
1: Well, I think I think given we're talking about boundaries, I kind of think there there is one. <laughs> and I always say when I'm working with people, you know, if you want to, if you want self care or you want sort of things to be different, particularly within your partnership, if you want to get on the same page, one of the things we have to do is plan for it. Um, so you've got to have a discussion at a quiet moment. So you've got to plan on the weekend. You've got to look at your diary and say, look, I've got this coming up maybe I could have the office for a couple of um, hours and and or, or like the quieter space and maybe you could go out and supervise the homeschooling while I get this done. I mean, ideally that's what we're doing is we're discussing it, we're planning it and we're communicating it and then setting that boundary. I've got to do this. Kids, go to your dad. Yeah, okay. um, but much easier said than done and definitely I guess we're all very new to this.
0: Mm. Uh, Look, finally, what about boundaries between siblings? So it's one thing for us to talk about it. We have the language. We understand what they are and what they mean. But I imagine for those kids that are like your boys rubbing up against each other all day, every day, boundaries would be important for them. Have you got any tips on how we can talk to kids about how they can set boundaries
1: within their own sibling group? Mm. So kind of getting kids to learn about setting boundaries and and negotiating well is um, they don't, kids don't innately know how to negotiate or or fight well. And what we want to do rather than take over and go, okay, I'm stepping in and I'm controlling it. I always sort of talk about becoming a bit of a commentator, not an adjudicator. So you want to be what sort of like staying out of those negotiations unless needed, and then when needed, you might be stepping in and saying, like, you stay very neutral. I can really see you're wanting a bit of your own space, but you're wanting to use the room as well. And how are we going to work this out? And it sounds a bit silly, but helping them troubleshoot it by just commentating what's happening without passing judgment. Um, One of the things I think we often miss as parents um, between siblings, you know, is that there is one child that quietly knows how to stir up. The other. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And there's the other that is your impulsive fly-off-the-handle one that always seems to get in trouble. And I think it's really important to slow down and just commentate rather than just go, why do you always have to do that? You've got to come in and go, whoa, what happened? And, and oh, so you did this and then you did this and then that happened. And by commentating them through it, what happens is eventually they build the skills to do that. Like our goal is to basically make ourselves redundant. <laughs> in these matters <laughs> so it's really that commentating for kids can be really helpful um, and for very little kids I use visuals a lot with my little boys so I draw things out so when we've had a big conflict or we're trying to work something out and we're all a bit unregulated I actually get out a whiteboard and I will just draw it out oh you got mad and then he hit you and that can be really helpful as well Oh, such great tips. Well, Jen,
0: thank you. I'm going to go and apply these lessons on boundaries when I enter my home and everybody wants something from me. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say, bugger off, mum's working.
1: But anything, <laughs> the thing I want to leave you on is boundaries are kind. So when you go to do it, instead of thinking, oh, no, I'm the bad guy, just think, wow, I'm just going to be making you feel so safe and secure by saying no right now. Oh, I love it. I'm bringing that in, bringing that in. (laughs) Jen, thank you so much for your time
0: and all that. My pleasure. Okay. Um, And we'll put um, links to Jen's website in the comments of this section and in the notes of the podcast. And if you're needing any specific advice on how to settle a baby or manage a toddler tantrum, you can try Babyology's online platform, The Parent School, where you can connect with an expert and get one-on-one advice specific to your problem. Thank you for all your questions, Jen. Thanks once again. My pleasure. See you later. Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.